Psalm 100, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. The Hebrew word there for shout is the word ruach, which reminds me of the army greeting. Ruah, ruah to the Lord. Ruah to the Lord, all you lands. Any land dwellers here? Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. And the Hebrew word there for singing means loud singing. can even be translated with shouting. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So you got to see the pattern in Hebrew poetry. It'll say something once and it'll say it another way. So the first way is make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you land, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing, and then here's why. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves, no self-made men in the crowd. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And then back to the beginning again, saying in a different way, enter to his gates with thanksgiving. That's the Hebrew word todah, which means to extend the hand, to give your thanks with extended hands. And into his courts with praise. That's tehillah. That's to sing a hymn, to sing psalms, to musical, tehillah. Be thankful to him and bless his name. The word there for thankful is yada, which means to throw your hands up in expressing thanks. Well, that's foreign to my culture. It's not really, not really. We speak, some, some of us can't even speak if we have our hands in our pockets. We're expressive people. If you ever watch secular concerts, the people in the front rows all have their hands raised. It's amazing. Waving them. Just, it, it's part of how we were made. Our hands were made to work and to express honor and love, a salute, extension of the hand over the heart, showing respect. So here's the reason why, again, saying it another way. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. In our culture, we like to think we have, we have uh, the right as human beings, as democratic thinkers or whatever, you know, majority rules, to play games with God's truth. His truth endures to all generations. It's not up for a vote. No church has the authority to change God's will. In the beginning, he made man male and female, in his image there is no third gender or whatever kind of gender you want to be you're either male or female it's expressed not only biologically but it's expressed in your chromosomes and your cells and your dna it's the way we were made so it is abusive for experts you know what an expert is we won't go there um, to use technology to manipulate your body that's not the problem. The problem is the heart. It's the mind. And people need to be treated with love and compassion. 
But if they're deceived, don't give in to that, you know. I could walk into a bank demanding a million dollars because I am a millionaire. And if I have some sort of weapon, even scissors on my person or fingernail clippers, they will put me in jail. They won't give in to my false identity. I have a problem. The Word of God established the nations and humanity the way it is, and we can rebel against Him, and Romans 1 comes into operation. We open the door to all sorts of foolishness. That's not our subject today. Welcome to the Wonderful Worship Series, or Worship Wonderful. Now, by this title, I don't mean, oh, wasn't, that worsh- wasn't the worship wonderful today, or, or the worship wasn't so wonderful at that church. It's about the one we worship whose name is Wonderful. So it's the worship of Wonderful that we're talking about today. Today is the second attempt to address this subject. And the topic today is, it's all about His presence. But before we get into that I just want to kind of backtrack and look at this verse it's to relate to the Lord in his presence it takes expression it takes expression and it is our nature here's a little skit to demonstrate the fallacy of saying it's not your nature to be expressive in church You know what I can't stand about church? It's the singing. Yeah, they start singing their worship songs and they kind of want me to get excited and all fired up. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not an emotional guy. I'm just not. Oh my goodness! That's huge! That's like all the way to Mars! That's because you're hitting from the girls' tee, you dink. I mean, that whole raising your hand thing? I just wouldn't do that in public. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. Shoot the ball. Come on. Whoa. Whoa. Step back and Jay is cast. That's good. That's good. That means I'm good. Guy makes one shot and thinks he's Kobe. You know, there's always that moment where they're singing and they want me to be louder. And I'm just not like that. That's, That's not the kind of person I am. I'm more of the quiet type. Look at this! Look what you did to your car! Yeah, it's not that bad. Not that bad? I thought, okay, the tree popped out of nowhere. Popped out of nowhere, did it? Yeah, about 300 years ago. You got parts falling off of the car? Your mom bought this car. She worked hard to get this car. And look, you treat it like it's a, like it's nothing. Give me the keys. Fine. Give me the keys. This car's mine. You know what I'm going to do with this? I'm going to pretend I'm Jeff Gordon. I'm going to run up and down the drive. You believe it? I mean, I gotta do this every Sunday. I know, it's crazy, these people. (laughs) The King James Version, let's read it again. Make a joyful shout unto the Lord, all ye lands. Read it together. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. 
Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. There's a thing in the church world often called the worship wars. Is music too modern or too traditional? Is your church have blended worship? Is it too contemporary? Is it too jazzy, too rocky, too ethnic? Here in this cartoon, one guy is complaining to another, can we sing some faster hymns? Is it too fast or too slow? Here a choir director is getting dissed by the pastor. Please disregard the music director's admonition to clap your hands, stomp your feet, and boogie till you drop during the next hymn. I'm not here to, to debate about worship styles, but to talk about the heart of worship. It's all about his presence. It's so important. Beware of neglecting the presence of the Lord. When we disregard the Lord's presence, we know he's omnipresent in the earth. And when we disregard him, we're disregarding his presence. But there's also his inner presence. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And there's his manifest presence. He dwells in the praises of his people. When we neglect that, we're parallel with some people in the Bible that weren't right. Adam and his wife, after they sinned, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. Cain, after killing his brother and receiving the consequences for his actions, went out from the presence of the Lord. Jonah was thrown overboard when the men knew or learned that he had fled from the presence of the Lord. We say presence. Be aware of the value of the presence of God. It's a way of saying the same thing, just a little different approach to the same truth. In the wilderness, the freed slaves from Egypt, the Hebrews have, after being enslaved for 400 years, were set free under the leadership of Moses. And at one point, Moses was interceding for the people regarding God's presence. He was going to send an angel to do his work. He said, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't bring us up here. Up to this point, the Lord's presence had led them with pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud or smoke by day. Signs of his presence. And God was fed up with their actions. He was going to create some distance between him and them. And Moses didn't want that. Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't bring us anywhere. David, after messing up, wrote the 51st Psalm. And in his prayer of repentance, his cry was, do not cast me away from your presence. Can someone say presence? Be advanced by the benefits of his presence. His presence is good. Psalm 9, when my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at your presence. There's protection from the enemy in his presence. I don't get as rattled by threats when I'm encountering his presence. Last Sunday, if you weren't here, 
listen to the podcast or get the CD. Greg Harrell did a great job speaking a sermon called Scoff Off. It was on how to deal with scoffers, which we will see more and more in our lifetime. And we can cry and whine about it, or we can become strong and utilize the tools that are ours to become Teflon where that stuff doesn't stick to us. Are you ready to be mocked? It's not fun, but it, it will happen. And it's happening. And a key to being Teflon in the face of uh, a non-stick person in the face of scoffing is relying on the presence of God. Because in His presence is assurance of His approval. In chapter 16 of Psalm, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When I was 18, January of 75, I moved to Austin, Texas and lived there till I turned 19 and then went back to the uh, central Illinois where I had grown up. And it was like culture shock in Austin. Um, the 70s were wild as it is. I mean, it was more, much more, the wildness was much more open then than it is now. Now you've got the internet and all this stuff's kind of gone on underground. But it was in your face then. And I, as a young 18-year-old, walked the straight and narrow because of the presence of God. It wasn't because I was trying to keep some rules. It wasn't because I was in danger of going to hell and lived in fear and unable to sleep. But unbelievable temptations came my way. And I walked victorious because of love for the presence of God. I was part of a community of people, a congregation that was on fire for the Lord. If there wasn't a church service, the prayer room was full of people. Experiencing the presence of God, and it gave me strength. My love for the Lord increased. I went home stronger than I was when I left. The pastor's wife, the pastor was named Kenneth Phillips. His wife was named Rhonda. She wrote a song based on this psalm. In fact, music runs in their family. Randy Phillips, their son, Grew up and became a member of Phillips, Craig, and Dean, and now pastors in Austin. A church called Life Austin, which recently adopted the mother church, which is where I was. It's called Promised Land now. And her song goes like this. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Oh, what fellowship divine, I am his and he is mine. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. And in his presence, based on this psalm, I'll never forget it. Psalm 31, you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man. This promise is ours if we don't, if we forfeit God's presence, we forfeit his promise. This promise is ours. Are you in a season of being slandered? Are people laying traps for you? Is someone out to seek your unemployment? Is someone out to destroy your relationships? There's a secret place in the presence of God, a place of safety, assurance, and fearlessness, and faith that will enable you to walk a straight line when crookedness is all around. Acts 3, another benefit of God's presence. Repent, therefore, and be converted, Peter preached to the crowd, that your sins may be blotted out. Who knows that's a good thing? So that, 
times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Who has experienced refreshing from God's presence? I grew up in a denomination that pursued the refreshing blessing of the Lord. And uh, once they'd experience it in the service, they all go out and eat. I think when God's refreshing us, it's more than, than for us just to get up and go on, but for us to stay there for a while and hear his voice. He has some things to say to you than just to make us feel better. We want to be active in pursuit of enjoying God's presence. Psalm 95, we read this in part one of this series. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. How can we do that? Because there's joy in His presence. You experience God's presence. It's for you and I to be empowered to bless Him more than we can in our natural ability. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. So we're not faking the joy. It's real because we've come before His presence as we experience His presence. There's joy there. And we just read this, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. So where does the joyfulness and the gladness come from? comes from encountering his presence. Psalm 140, verse 13 says, The upright shall dwell in your presence. We don't want to just have a visitation of the Lord. We want to have habitation of the Lord. I want him to, to be alive in my life and not just when I go to church or when I attend a conference somewhere as inspiring as those spiritual events can be. The other side of this coin, the upright shall dwell in your presence. Those who aren't right won't dwell in his presence. Psalm 101 verse 7 says, he who works deceit shall not dwell within my house he who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Has the presence of God in your life dried up? Don't look around and blame anybody. Search your heart. When that happens with me, I get on my knees somewhere and say, okay, Lord, show me. Show me where I need to repent, who I need to call, or cause somebody to speak to me because I want to be right. Because the upright shall dwell in your presence. My pastor went through a dry season of not dwelling in God's presence like he wanted, and he realized it was his blood pressure medication. So the Lord will show you what the issue is, and uh, he made some adjustments there. Be amazed by the nearness of the Lord himself. Think of the immensity of God the vastness of the universe, and yet he wants to pour his presence in our lives. One little song says, he's so great he holds the world in the palm of his hand, and yet so small he lives in the heart of a man. He is near to us. Another old song, draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord. Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. 
You can't get away from Him. He's very near to us always. But He wants a walk with us, us to walk in the Spirit. Romans 8 says, and we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We need to begin availing ourselves fully of His accessibility. He's accessible to us always. And the truth is, we are all as near to God as we want to be. Oh, I wish I had a closer walk with God like I had when I was a teenager. Well, what happened? Heard a story of uh, Billy Bob driving down the truck with his wife, Susie Q, and she's on one side, and Billy Bob's on the other side driving. And she said, Billy Bob, you remember the days when we used to ride in this truck and we were so close together? And he looked at her and said, yes, I do, Susie Q. And you need to know, I haven't moved. God hasn't moved. Sometimes we've moved, distancing our heart. We allow the cares of life to steal the effectiveness of the Word. It is good for me, David wrote, to draw near to God. Tell someone it is good. It's good to draw near to God. The New Testament, the brother of Jesus wrote this, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Get rid of those things that keep us from drawing near. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Those are two warnings in the, in the New Testament. Why? They clog up the flow of God's Spirit in our life. And finally, be appraised of His grace that grants us access. We've been given access into the presence of God. This is a tremendous, tremendous value because of His grace. If there's anything distracting that the enemy's most effective at, it's distracting us to think we don't have all that we need in Christ. When He is sufficient, we have all that He needs. We have all that we need in him, he's the all-sufficient one. And yet, just as he tempted Adam and his wife, that God was holding out on them, you won't die if you eat of this fruit, you'll be like God if you do this, he tempts us like carrots on the end of a stick to get a donkey to lead the plow. He never reaches the carrot, he just keeps reaching for it. Keeps us on wild goose chases to find a greater level. Go to this conference or go to that one. And I go to conferences, you need to know that. But don't go to a conference to receive what is yours to receive personally, one-on-one with you and the Lord. Otherwise, you'll never stop chasing conferences, running up all your credit cards, trying to get that perfect buzz from the presence of God when He's like right here. He is all that we need. All that we need is in Jesus. I love the little song that we sang at the end of worship. To me, it's not a little song. It's a mighty song. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. More than anything that you can do, I just want you. The simplicity of a heart for the Lord is what I'm getting at. Who's heard of Rory and Joey Feek? 
wonderful music. I think all ages would enjoy their music. They can take an old hymn and just with some acoustic instruments create masterpieces. Their harmony is so simple. They also sing love songs. And while this is about their relationship, I can relate it because marriage is to be a picture of our relationship with God, isn't it? So relate my worship to this. So here they are in the height of their fame. How are they going to be when they're no longer you know, in the charts? And they wrote this little song. If tomorrow I woke up and this dream wasn't here and I walked out on the stage and no one begins to cheer. If the spotlight that I'm in should fade and disappear and if our new songs in the charts all begin to fall and there's no more to play nor gold records on the wall, if no one wants to come and hear us sing at all, I'll sing for you. When the star that shines on us has packed its dust and gone and found others new to cast its magic on and all that we have left is just this simple song, I'll sing for you. I'll sing for you in the kitchen while you strum your old guitar like we did when times were tough and love was very hard, I'll sing for you. Lord, we want to sing for you. Not for fame, not for fortune, not for approval, but for your presence. Make us people centered on your presence. Reminded of the church in Revelation that had left its first love. They had their act right. They were doing everything right. But they had lost their first love relationship with you. I pray, Lord, you'd restore that for every person in this congregation. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, as we conclude the service with a song of worship, help us, Lord, to sing it with new emphasis as we reflect on what life is all about. Walking with you, walking in your spirit, being filled with your reality. Lord, may your presence be real to every person here. And Lord, where we're not right, help us, Lord, to get right. Lead us to repentance, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God, Yeah.